Our scripture this morning comes from uh, the book of Luke that we've been studying all semester. It comes from Luke chapter 19. So listen now to this word from God. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him, and all who saw it began to grumble and said, he's gone to be guest of one who's a sinner? Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, half my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor, give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, today, today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham, for the son of man has come to seek and to save what was lost. So Jesus was passing through Jericho. Jericho is a city that's, that's placed kind of right at the bottom of the hill that Jerusalem sits on top of, and Jesus was passing through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem, and this was the last stop before Jesus arrived in Jerusalem where he would be crucified and where he would die and where he would rise again. And Jesus is traveling through Jerusalem. I imagine with some heavy themes bouncing around in that divine head of his. I'm imagining themes of sin and salvation, of redemption and of new creation. And so as I'm kind of wrapped up in the story that Luke is telling, I think to myself, you know, Jesus, this would be a really opportune time to give us one of your famous sermons on discipleship or um, to tell us maybe give us a really deeply theological monologue about carrying the cross because this is what you're about to do. But instead of words, Jesus, classic, turns our attention to a person, to this stodgy guy in a tree. So there's a few notable things about Zacchaeus. First, Zacchaeus was a tax collector, which means that he went door to door collecting, relentlessly collecting taxes from reluctant citizens. Now, in order to make this unpleasant task worthwhile, Zacchaeus, along with all the other tax collectors, would lie to these citizens about how much money they owed so that Zacchaeus could give to the Roman government what was due to them, and he could pocket the rest for himself. So his daily routine, the habits that were cutting deep grooves into his soul were this. Wake up. Think about how much money you want, lie, cheat, totally ignore how this might be impacting other people, and as a chief tax collector, empower other tax collectors to live out their greed 
in the same way, go to bed, wake up the next morning, and do it all again. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And I have to wonder what kind of character is formed when these are the daily habits of Zacchaeus. I think it's safe to say that Zacchaeus was not a well-liked guy. Second, Zacchaeus was rich, which is not usually a compliment in uh, the time of Jesus, in the story of Luke. Zacchaeus was rich. Actually, in the end of chapter 18, right before this, Jesus says this about the rich. He says, it is exceedingly difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus kind of jokes and he says, actually, it's easier for a camel, this huge beast, to fit through that tiny hole that's on the top of a needle. That's the easier thing, for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle, than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Third, Zacchaeus was short. He was not a tall dude. And one doesn't usually suddenly become short either, right? This was probably true for most of his life. And so, my pastoral imagination is is imagining here, Zacchaeus, was he made fun of throughout his life? Was he maybe mocked in his younger years? Did he feel like a loser? Is this life as a tax-collecting bully, does that make him feel like less of a loser? Maybe for one gratifying moment, but this lying and cheating and stealing and all these sorts of things, any pleasure only lasts just a brief moment. So I wonder, was Zacchaeus tired of this charade? Last, maybe not so obvious, Zacchaeus was lost. Zacchaeus was lost. I'm in the habit of singing to my boys as they fall asleep at night. Sometimes Theo manages to convince me to sing something terribly meaningless, like take me out to the ball game or something like that. But if I have it my way, we usually sing a hymn of some sort. And so the other night, I was singing as I was combing my fingers through his hair, like mamas do sometimes, and I sang, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And with his eyes closed, he groggily asked me, Mom, what does it mean to be lost? Could tell that didn't quite fit in with what he thought about that word. And so I chuckled for a minute and I said, how do I, how do I explain this to a four-year-old? Well, it's when you've been living life on your own without giving God a second thought. It's when you're trying to make it all by yourself, hoping to be satisfied with what the world offers, but feeling like you really have nothing to stand on and no one to lean on in the end. It's this deep yearning to be connected with the creator and the sustainer and the savior of the world. But I looked down at my sleepy little Theo and I told him, being lost, something is lost, when it's in the wrong place, when it's not where it should be. Zacchaeus was lost. And in the New Testament, lost means just that, in the wrong place. Kent gave us a great picture of that in chapel last week when he talked to us about the lost sheep, right? The lost coin, the lost 
sons. It doesn't mean being doomed or being damned for all eternity. It means you're in the wrong place. You've wandered away from Jesus. It means you need something or someone to turn you around. And lost is the word that Jesus uses to describe Zacchaeus. I'm sure he had no friends of any substance as a chief tax collector. I'm sure the daily habits of lying and cheating gave him shallow and fleeting pleasure and deep abiding loneliness. And I'm sure after years of this that Zacchaeus was longing for something different. I think Zacchaeus realized that he was lost. I'm not sure we don't get to know what led up to this, but it must have been something that had been churning in him for a while because when Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was passing through his town, he immediately went out to see him. Only when he got to the road, he couldn't actually see Jesus because of the crowds. There were so many people in the crowds and they were tall and he was not. And so he climbed up a tree. Now I want you just to imagine this for a second. I want you to think about a grown man that you know. Maybe it's Forrest Buckner. Uh, may, I, don't, I don't think Kent McDonald would be a good example here because I could actually realistically imagine a scenario where he might do this. But I want you to imagine for a moment a grown man perched in a tree. That's ridiculous, right? How foolish Zacchaeus must have seemed. He came across as desperate, right? Desperately trying to get a glimpse of this celebrity. I imagine the crowds that were around him probably snickered at this sight, taking advantage of any moment they could to mock this ruthless enemy of theirs. And you know what? As Jesus was walking down this road with his entourage and the crowd, he stopped right in front of this tax-collecting, rich lost, short, grown man in a tree, and he called him by his name. Before Zacchaeus could say anything at all, Jesus already knew him. But now, the Lord says in Isaiah 49, do not fear, I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, because you are mine. The right spot is here with me. This is what God has always done. All the way back, starting with Adam and Eve in the garden, to the lost people of Israel, to Zacchaeus, to you and to me, God calls us by name and says, the right place is here with me. He says, I will find you. Will you come to me? He says, I will heal you. Do you want to be made well? He says, I love you. Will you love me and feed my sheep? Or as Josh Lyme put it last week, I want you. Do you want me? The holiness inside of such an awkward moment of a grown, desperate man in a tree staring down at Jesus with the large crowds is so painfully beautiful to me. I hear it almost in the voice of Mama Beans, Jesus saying, Zacchaeus, 
hurry up and come down here. I am coming over to your house for dinner. And so the two share a meal around the dinner table where Zacchaeus pledges to act outwardly on his inward transformation, saying now that he's found the right place here with Jesus, he's going to make all the wrongs right around him. He's going to repay anything that he stole four times over. And so that righteousness that is born inside of Zacchaeus, that justice that takes place inside of him, bubbles out, spills out into righteousness and justice in the community all around Zacchaeus. Lisa Sharon Harper says this about Zacchaeus. She says, by ministering to Zacchaeus, Jesus lifted economic oppression off the shoulders of an entire town. By ministering to the one, Jesus lifted oppression off an entire community. The good news that embodied gospel that put Zacchaeus in the right place had a domino effect on all of Jericho that day. Band, I will, I'll invite you to come back up now. And to the rest of us, I want to invite you, would you pray with me for all the lost things, the lost people, the lost systems, the lost moments and places even within us, would you pray that they would be found by Jesus and with Jesus? And would you pray that the ripple effects of this finding would be felt all over our world? Let's enter into this Thanksgiving week, giving thanks for the God who finds. Amen. <laughs>